0: Troubled by troubles, troubled by troubles. Let me pray. Um, Father, I, just, uh, I ask for your help this morning that uh, you would certainly give me clarity of thought and uh, that you'd help me to speak your word and that your people would be encouraged, that I'd be able to take that which is seemingly complex and make it simple uh, to understand for the hearts of your people. And I ask this for the glory of Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. I do encourage you to have your, your Bible open in front of you. So Daniel 7. I'm also gonna, it's a picture book, so I'm gonna use some pictures as well. I'm gonna help you along and let's see how we go. So here's my, my question to you: Are you someone that is troubled by troubles? Amen. I, I am someone that is troubled by troubles. And if you've got your Bible open and look down at verse 15, you'll notice that Daniel was troubled. Look at verse 15, he says, I, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. He says it again in verse 28. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts. My face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Here's the interesting thing Is after he gets the vision, he is troubled. You see that? After he gets the interpretation of the vision, he's troubled. All right. And and we've got to try and figure out this morning why why is Daniel so troubled? And we'll find out. Now, as we return to the book of Daniel, I did chapters one to six earlier in this year, there are a few rules of engagement. And these are the rules of engagement that I'm going to abide by as we go through the rest of this book. The first one is that it is not primarily a future history book. It is primarily a pastoral book. Now what that means is that we are not trying to figure out the future, but we are to be secured in knowing that the future is all sorted. What that means as well is that we're going to look at the big picture. We're going to look at the big vision, the big picture, taking each one, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. We take the big picture, which means that we're not going to get bogged down in the minutia. We're not going to try and take every little detail in the visions, try and tie it to some sort of historical figure. So if you've come here this morning and you're after a history book, you're trying to figure out the future, you want the minutia and you want to tie up everything historically, I suggest you leave now. You're going to be sorely disappointed because that's not the way we're going to handle the book. Credence Clearwater Revival. Do you remember them? They sang a song famously. Anybody know what it was? Have you ever seen the Have you ever seen the rain? Have you seen the rain? I, I suppose living in Bustleton, you have, haven't you? I mean, we're sick of it, aren't we? Are we sick of the rain? Well, the question I want to ask you this morning, though, is: Have you seen the end? Have you seen the end? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now, conf- faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Have you, a, have you got a confidence in what you hope for? Have you got an assurance of what you don't yet see? Let's orientate ourselves in the book of Daniel. If you've got your Bible open, have a look. It's chapter 7, verse 1. It says, In the first year of King Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Now, that might seem a little bit strange because where are we? We're in where? Which country? We're in Babylon, aren't we? Okay. Now, it might seem a little bit strange because the end of Daniel 6, we actually ended where? In Persia. Daniel's in the lion's den and uh, he's under the Persian king Darius, and now suddenly we're back in Babylon. It's like Daniel has gone all the way through to Persia, and now we're starting back in Babylon. And let me see if I can give you a picture to orientate ourselves. Um, Marcus, you get me out of the way there. Thank you. Right. So here's here's what this is what it looks like in Daniel one one. Uh, Daniel starts Israel starts in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. And it ends in Daniel 6.27, the very last verse. It ends with Daniel being saved from the lions. And in the words of Darius, he rescues and saves, talking of God. He performs signs and wonders. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. In other words, what's happened in Daniel from 1.1 1, 1, 1 to 6.27, we've gone from Babylonian exile to Resurrection. Daniel in the lion's den is a picture of resurrection. That's the flow. As we start in chapter 7, verse 1, which is the year 556 B.C., we're starting back in Babylon again with Belshazzar. And if you go to the very last verse of Daniel 12, it says, As for you, Daniel, go your way to the end. You will rest, and then at the end of days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Do you see that? There's resurrection. So we've gone from Babylonian exile to resurrection. Now we've gone from Babylonian exile again in 7 to 12 to resurrection. And you sort of say to yourself, well, what's going on? Is this Daniel on repeat? It is Daniel on repeat. What's happening in 7 to 12 is the pictorial symbolic version of 1 to 6. Does that make sense? So it's narrative 1 to 6 paralleling with the apocalyptic, the symbolic, the visionary, the pictorial in 7 to 12, and they are actually two parallel tracks. Does that make sense? And that's why we've got sort of two halves of the book that go together. Now, you might say to yourself, well, where, where does that leave us? Well, let's have a look at it. If you went to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, how does P- Peter address God's people today? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, what's the next word? Exiles, right? So we are living where? We're living in exile. All right. And if you go to 1 Peter 5, 13, she who is in, in Babylon. Okay. So figuratively speaking, if you want to say metaphorically speaking, where are we living today? Not living in Bustleton. Well, yes, but we're living in where? We're living in Babylon. We are exiles in Babylon. And where are we going? Where are we going? We're going home, which is what? Resurrection. So in 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into that word again, inheritance, uh, Daniel 12, verse 13, into an inheritance that can never spoil, perish, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Are you with me? Right. In Daniel seven one, it is the year 556 B.C. It's the reign of Belshazzar, the Babylonian king. And what's going to happen is, is that God is going to show Daniel what will happen before the before the end. Right? You with me? We're now living where? We're living on the 25th of August, 2022. It's the reign of the labor king, Anthony Albanese. And this vision is going to show us what's going to happen before, before the end. Are you with me? All right? We're in Babylon We're in exile. We can see the end. And now we're going to get a picture, pictures of what's going to happen. Let me give you some headings as we start. Here's number one. Daniel sees the end. He sees the end. So if you've got your Bible, have a look at it again. It's in verse 9 and 10. I looked, the thrones were in place. The Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair on his head was white like wool. His throne was a flaming fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him 10,000 times, 10,000 before him. The courts were seated, and the books were opened. Now, if I asked you, what is Daniel seeing? And you just got to get into this passage with me. What's he seeing? How would you describe what he's seeing there? Huh? I heard that word with a J. He's seeing judgment. That's exactly what Daniel is seeing the end. He's seeing the judgment right down the end. Okay? And what he's seeing is exactly what John the Apostle saw in Revelation. In Revelation 20 verse 12. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were opened. Another was opened, which was the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Keeping going, having a look then in Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14. Again, just what what does Daniel see? In my vision at night, I looked, I saw there was one before me like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into His presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. What's Daniel seeing? What's Daniel seeing here? Well, he, he's seeing Caroline? Yeah, exactly. He's seeing the return of Jesus. He's seeing judgment day and he's seeing the return of Jesus happening together because that's when they take place. Now, if you've got your Bible, maybe you've got to strap in here with me. In the passage, watch how these two come together. But the court will sit... His power will be taken away and completely destroyed. What's that? That's judgment. You see that? Here it comes. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey Him. Do you see it? So as Daniel sees the end, he sees the judgment, he sees the return of Christ, and we know that he is seeing the end because when Jesus quotes this passage in, in, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is talking about his return. He quotes Daniel 7, but I say to all of you from now on, you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Let me ask you this. Do you realize that even the Old Testament believers saw the return of Christ? Did you know that? Even the Old Testament believers like Daniel. In fact, let me show you this in Jude 14. Sort of a little aside but related. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones. And right there in Jude 14, the seventh from Adam, he is looking forward to the end. So, brothers and sisters, there is a day coming when the kingdom of Christ will come in all its fullness. There is a day coming when the wicked will be punished, the righteous will shine like the sun. There's a day when the books are going to be opened. Everyone will be judged. The wicked are going to rise to eternal punishment. The righteous will inherit eternal glory. There's a day coming when every sin and sickness and suffering and death is banished as God's people are raised up from the dead. And that day will be glorious. That's the end That Daniel sees. Now, have a look at how Paul the Apostle puts it. Here's how he sees the end God is just. He'll pay back trouble to those who trouble you, He will give relief to you who are troubled, and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with His powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. On the day He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marveled at among those who have believed, this includes you, because you have believed our testimony to you. That's the end, folks. That's the hope that we have. That's the confidence that we have. That is what we're so assured of that we can't yet see it with our eyes. I wonder if that's your hope. I wonder if your hope this morning is that you will be raised from the dead to receive the kingdom that Christ has promised to you. But it leaves us with a question, doesn't it? It still doesn't answer, why is Daniel so troubled? If he sees the end, why is he so troubled? Even after he gets the interpretation, he's still troubled. Why? Well, we'll get it a little closer. Here's our second title. Daniel sees, and you've been waiting for this, he sees the beasts before the end of time. Now, get your Bible, have a look at this. In verse 3, he sees how many beasts? Four beasts and where they're coming out of? They're coming out of the they're coming out of the sea. And your head is ringing Revelation chapter Oh, you're not sure. Revelation 13 is where your head should be ringing, which I'll show you, which is a critical passage. All right. I'm going to give you some pictures. What's the first animal that Daniel sees? A lion. Well, sort of, okay? It, it's, it, it looks like a lion. And give me some of the other details. Let's get into this thing. What's it got? It's got wings like a? Little eagle, but okay, this one ain't you know, you know, internet. This is supposed to be standing up when it's sort of all oh, you know, up that way and it's got a heart of a lion and a mouth or whatever. You, you, get the, you get the picture, right? There, there, there's, there's the first beast, that's what he sees. You with me, verse four? What does he see? No, verse five, what does he see? He sees a bear. Now, I don't know how the game pictures are you know, up on the one side, whatever, but it's a big bear, right? This is a big bear, and what's it got in its mouth? It's, it's got spare ribs, okay? okay? It's got some ribs in the mouth. What, who who says what? Anyway, okay? So it's, it, it's got three bones, or it's got three ribs in its mouth. This is a, this is a big bear. What's the, uh, the third beast in verse 6? Huh? Well, yes, it is. It's it's a leopard that's got what? It's got four heads, and it's got wings like a like a bird. All right, that's you got you got me. So you got a I'm going to call it the hybrid lion, the hybrid bear, the hybrid leopard. Now, all right, what's the fourth beast? It's t- well, what is it, Caroline? You just don't even know. So you've got to use a bit of imagination, right? So it's terrifying. What else has it got? It's got iron teeth. And can you think of an animal that looks like that? Here's my version of the beast. Okay? It's got horn? No, it's not frogs. No, 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 no. Don't go there. All right? So... It, 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 uh, you know, who knows what this thing looked like, but it's got horns and it's got iron teeth and it trampled everything down. It's a terrifying beast. And, and what are we told down in verse 17? What are these, what are these beasts? What are they? Uh, they're kingdoms. They they four they four different uh, uh, kingdoms and and notice in the passage you're not told which kingdom is which and the point is you're not meant to know at this point so don't focus on it don't go there we're not going there he sees four terrifying beasts a a a a hybrid lion eagle by a hungry bear hybrid by a leopard thingy by a dinosaur and if you look at the picture that's what he sees. You see? He sees the lion, sees the bear, sees the multi-headed leopard, sees the dinosaur. And what happens at the end of the fourth beast? What happens? Judgment day comes. Right? The end comes. Uh, resurrection or, 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 or the return. Okay? So if you've got your Bible, have a look at verse 17 again. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise. Now have a look at it in verse 18, right? Where, where it starts to focus on the fourth beast. The holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever. So what happens? He sees these four things, then the end, then the judgment, then the resurrection, then return. It all happens together. And it, 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 it's, it's the whole of history is moving towards... That end. Now, where did we say we were? Where are we? We're in Babylon. And we're in? So what's going to happen, folks? What's going to happen? We're going to see various beasts that are going to come. They are going to come and they are going to? Go. They're going to come, and they're going to go. And they're going to come, and they're going to go. And at some point, at some point at the end of one of the beasts, the end will come, the judgment will come, the resurrection will come. As it is for Daniel, it will be for us. These political kingdoms, we don't need to figure out who they are. We'll get to know some of them later on and Daniel can come back in two weeks' time. But for this point, we're not meant to know. Let me just see if I've got my other picture. No, I haven't come to that one. All right, so stay with me. Daniel sees the end. He sees the beast before the end. Now we can answer the question, why is he troubled? Why is he troubled? Daniel sees the troubles Of the beasts. What do all those beasts have in common? What does a a bear, a lion, a leopard, and a dinosaur all have in common? Hmm? They're predators. What else? They're terrifying. They're dangerous. They kill. They destroy. They eat. So, what's going to happen? As Daniel looks down the line, or he's given a vision of down the line of what's going to happen before the end, what does he see? He sees these terrifying kingdoms that will come and go, and what are they going to do? Yep, so look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. The, the beast, it, look, it's going to crush and devour their victims. Look at that's repeated in verse 19. Look at verse 21. Uh, Let me just see if I've got these verses. Probably not. Uh. 19, let's have a look. Yeah, 21. So look, and as as, as I watch verse 21, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them. Look at verse 25. He will speak against the Most High and oppress His holy people and try to change the times and the laws. The people will be delivered into His hands for a time, time, and half a time. Do you see it? What's going to happen is in the time before the end, various political beasts and kingdoms are going to come, and what are they going to do? To varying intensities, they're going to, they're going to persecute the people of God. They're going to persecute, they're going to trample us down, they're going to stand for the very things that God hates, they're going to call good bad and bad good. And as you look at that fourth beast... What happens as we get closer and closer to the end? It's going to get... It's actually going to get more intense, isn't it? Now, if you want to know whether this interpretation is correct, let me show you something rather extraordinary. Got your Bible? Turn with me, if you want to, to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. Now, you've got to stay with me here, and you've got to get your head switched on. So in Revelation 13, 1 and 2, uh, John gets a vision, and it says, The dragon stood on the shore of the sea. Picture. And I saw the beast coming out of the sea. How many did we see in, uh, in Daniel? Four. How many coming out here? How many? One. Okay, but now watch. It had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns. On each head it had a blasphemous name, the beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and authority. What does John see? Oh, you're genius. Absolutely. He sees a combo. What does he see? He doesn't see four. He sees one which I've got a bit of. All of those in there. From Daniel, absolutely beautiful. Now, I went hunting for a picture on the internet to see whether I could come up with sunning, okay? Now, hey, get me out of the way there. Right, well, I don't know. It, it, it's, I mean, that is the biggest combo picture you've got, right? What does it look like? It looks like a lion, but it also looks a bit like a, a leopard, but it's got feet like a... But it's got horns like a dinosaur. It's got... Do you see it? You see what John's done? When John sees the picture, it combos all four kingdoms. So let me give you one more picture. Beautiful. It's a bit blurry in the top one. But you see it? The hybrid lion, the hybrid bear, the hybrid leopard, the hybrid dinosaur, they're all incorporated into John's vision In Revelation chapter 13, and you get the picture, don't you? Living now, living in exile, living in Babylon before the end, before the return, before the judgment day, there are going to be political kingdoms coming and going, coming and going. To varying degrees, they're going to persecute the the, the people of God. And in fact, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until we reach the end. Does that make sense? So why is Daniel troubled? He's troubled by the troubles. He's troubled by the persecution. He's troubled by the pain that he can see. He's troubled by the the suffering that is coming. He's he's troubled by it. Are you troubled by it? Can I give you a couple of things that are here and coming and going to get worse? You want a few of them? Yeah, they come. There is the rise of militant atheism and secular humanism. Aren't you troubled by that? It's getting vicious. Have you noticed? There is the rise of immorality. There is the rise of calling good bad and bad good. We are in a space where the very things that are vile to the holy God are considered sacred and good and right. There is the rise of deception. There is the rise of the defection from the Christian faith. Jesus says we get closer and closer to the end, that the faith of most will grow cold. There is the removal. Well, that's already happened, isn't it? It's the removal of Christianity from all the schools. There is the ch- removal of Christianity from government. There is the muting of Christian witness in most secular places of work. There is the persecution of Christians who do not embrace the moral ethic of the day. Can you see the end? Can you see the beasts that are coming? They will come and go. Can you see that it's going to get worse? And like Daniel, you and I, we're troubled, aren't we? We're troubled. Well, my brother and sister, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. In fact, in the words of the Apostle Paul, I'll just read it to you, Apostle Paul says this, in Timothy he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of of God. It's going to get worse. Why is Daniel troubled? He's He's troubled because... So I want to see what I've got coming next. Yep. He's troubled. And you might think that as he looks at the end, that might comfort him, but he's not yet comforted. And here's the thing, fourthly, is that the reason why the end hasn't comforted Daniel is because he hasn't yet seen the cross. He hasn't yet seen the cross. He's seen the end, He sees everything happening up to it. He sees how it, but the the, the thing, the 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 missing piece, as it were, is he doesn't quite know. He's not quite sure that the end will happen as it is meant to happen. He sees the kingdoms, he sees the end kingdom, but 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 how does it? How can he be so sure? How can he be so confident that it's going to happen? And there's this troubling going on because there's a there's a missing there's a missing piece. Put it this way, how can he be so sure that the beastly kingdoms will give way to the kingdom of Christ? How does he know? Well, he hasn't seen the cross yet. And Jesus comes to us with a very simple answer. And Jesus says this, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, the missing piece in Daniel's vision in chapter 7 is the cross. He's going to see it. He will get to it. I'll give you a little sneak preview for a few weeks. The most difficult passage in the book of Daniel. 77 Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people, Daniel 9.24, and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. That's the cross. We'll get to it. Jesus overcame the beastly kingdoms past, present, and future by his death and resurrection. That's how you know the end will be, as Daniel sees it. So, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus is the guarantee of the death and resurrection at uh, the death and destruction of the dragon the death and resurrection of jesus is the guarantee of the death and destruction of the beasts it's the guarantee of the death and destruction of the wicked The death and resurrection of Christ is the guarantee that sin will not have the last word, that sickness will not have the last word, that suffering will not have the last word, that death will not have the last word. The death and resurrection of Christ is the guarantee of the resurrection of the saints to eternal life. The death and resurrection of Christ is the guarantee of the new heavens and the new earth. The death and resurrection of Christ is the guarantee that that Christ will return. He will set up his kingdom. He will give us the kingdom. We'll be raised to new life. The uh, the wicked will be destroyed. The, 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 The wicked will be banished to eternal hell. The righteous will rise to eternal life. It all hinges on the death and resurrection of Jesus. What do you see? What do you see? My first question to you is this as I start to close is do you see the end? In the words of Daniel 12, will you rise to everlasting life? Or will you rise to shame and everlasting content? Because that's how it ends. Do you see the troubles? I'm sure you do. And you can see, can't you? It's getting worse and worse and worse. So do you see Jesus, whose death and resurrection overcomes the world? Two things. Jesus says, take heart. Don't, don't let your heart be troubled. Why? I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And I want to leave you with these words in John eleven. Jesus speaks his words to Martha after Lazarus has died and we know that he's going to rise or raise Lazarus from the dead. And uh, in one of the most poignant and intimate and personal moments in all of John's Gospel, Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he asked her this question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? this?" Take heart, brothers and sisters. Christ has overcome the world. I'm going to ask the team to close up for us.